0: Good morning, Gator Nation, and welcome to episode twenty-eight of the in All Kinds of Weather forecast. I am your host Dustin Smith, and you can find me on Twitter at i a k o w Dustin. As always, we've got in All Kinds of Weather creator and founder Neil Schulman with us, and you can follow him at All Kinds Weather on Twitter. We've also got contributor Casey Hampton with us today, and you can follow him on Twitter as well at c hampton eighty five. Guys, how's it going? It's going well.
1: It's going well. Um, you know, you it's uh it's always the same exact boilerplate intro. Um, we just say, hey, how's it going? How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. It is going well. It's good to be a Florida Gator right now. It's it's great to be a Florida Gator. Actually, as the saying goes. Um, got a, got a busy week ahead, real life wise. Um, you know, nothing, nothing too terrible, but just a lot of stuff on my plate. And this is sort of a good way to relax and unwind. Gator football is obviously my favorite thing to do, hence being all kinds of other brands. So this is the perfect escape from the real world stuff that's going on. Um, so so Casey, um, you know, instead of just asking how you doing, man, how you, how, how's it going, uh, all that boring stuff, you were actually on all Rocky Top for that game on Saturday. And tell us what it was like. I mean, how were the fans? How was the atmosphere, uh, the reduced atmosphere in COVID? What did things look like to you in live and in person versus how they look to you on TV when you watch the game after and all that good stuff? Tell us about your trip. Yeah so
2: Neil Rocky Top was uh it was interesting uh definitely got heckled by a bunch of students going in a not a normal heckling way uh it was definitely a you know gay turd uh you know go to hell um definitely a few f words thrown out uh just what you would expect from a bitter fan base that hasn't done anything for the better part of 25 years Uh, but once we got in, the fans in the stadium were fine. Uh, The student section was a uh, COVID hotbed, uh, including there was a Big Bird uh, costume uh, that was crowd surfing in the student section. Uh, We saw a Vol Santa Claus, uh, and I think the most interesting was an inflatable alligator costume uh, that had a Davy Crockett hat on it Again, that was crowd surfing in the student section, uh, and then went during a commercial break, running across the field, and then ran out the tunnel before security could catch catch it. I'm like, well, you know, you know, you're in Tennessee, when, uh, uh, but it was <clears throat> it was a great experience. Uh, otherwise, uh, shout out to my friend uh, Chad who got me the ticket. Uh, It was a really good experience, I think, just with him. And I got to see some other friends uh, from Florida that were enjoying the game. And it was very cold. Uh, Definitely TV did not give it justice. Uh, By the end of the game, it was like 36 degrees. And I just wanted to sprint to the car because I was very cold, uh, thankfully for heated seats. Uh, But, you know, Rocky Top is an experience. uh, I've been there when it's full uh, and when they're at full throat with 100,000. I definitely recommend the trip to Rocky Top for anybody, just because it's a lot of fun. Uh, They are definitely passionate about their team, no matter what the records are. Uh, And generally the Gators win. So it's a good trip for us to have up there. Uh, I I just, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I've missed doing these podcasts because I was sick last week uh, and I was coming back from Tennessee yesterday. I was seeing my mentor from college uh, who lives in Maryville, Tennessee. So, uh, sorry, I couldn't, uh, be on the podcast, but I miss you guys and I missed the listeners and I'm excited to be back. So, um, definitely a fun trip up to Rocky Top.
1: Yeah. Well, we missed having you, man. We, uh, we did a good, did a good show the other day, uh, where Dustin dro- drove and potted simultaneously, um, hashtag driving with Dustin. It was, it was interesting. It was, it made for a good show.
0: Yeah, guys, and one of these days I'm going to catch y'all off guard with uh, a non-traditional intro to you guys. Um, I, might, uh, I might throw in a, a uh, what do you like better, Mose or Chipotle in there or something like that. Well, Ooh. I digress. Guys, it's certainly excellent to be heading back to Atlanta, but as many of y'all know, the Gators have a ton to work on. We've got a great show planned for y'all this morning including a special guest but before we get to our main content we got to pay our bills yes we do so let's do it of course as usual we're proudly partnered with the gator
1: good foundation which is the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged gator fan to the swamp we've been reduced to a virtual campaign for 2020 though because of covid and we do plan to introduce our winner later this week if not next week so you'll want to be following our social media handles at the Gator Good on Twitter, at Gator Good Foundation on Instagram, and the Gator Good Foundation on Facebook. Second, we're proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and they'll deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above. Here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray branding. Number one, it is a veteran owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. And number two, it is run by a Florida Gator fan. So not only do they do great work, but they do great work and they're owned by a Florida Gator fan who happens to be a U.S. veteran. To learn more about their services and rates, go to StingrayBranding.com. That is StingrayBranding.com. And now that we've got our sponsors taken care of, we do have one quick talking point before we bring on our guest It was announced on Monday afternoon that several different Gator players were named as semifinalists for various national awards, which will be announced on January 7th on the annual ESPN College Football Awards show. So our guest is coming on soon, so we'll be quick with this, but the players are... Kyle Trask, who's up for the Davy O'Brien Award and the Maxwell Award, which go to the best quarterback and best player in college football, respectively. Kyle Pitts is also up for the Maxwell Award as a tight end, which is just amazing. And on top of that, he's also up for the John Mackey Award for the best tight end in the nation and the Fred Belitnikoff Award for the best receiver. And on top of that, Evan McPherson, who got snubbed last year, was listed as a semifinalist for the Lou Groza Award for the best kicker. And Kyir Elam has been named as a semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award for the best defensive back. Yes, our defense has a lot of issues, but there is one guy on that defense that is balling out. Actually, there's two because Ventrell Miller just got named SEC Defensive Player of the Week. But Elam getting the recognition there as a semifinalist for the Thorpe Award for his performance throughout the course of the season. So before, before we bring on our guest, two quick points of discussion for us. One, who do y'all believe has the best chance to win the award slash awards they're up for? And were there any noticeable snubs from the National Award semifinalist list that stuck out to y'all?
2: Yeah, so um, I don't think so, honestly. Uh, I think I got it all right. Um, I'm pretty happy with where we are because, honestly, boys, before this season, who would have thought we would have gotten multiple bricks or a potential for multiple bricks outside the stadium this year? Uh, I was not one of them. So I'm going to say I'm pretty happy with that. You know, despite... Like you mentioned, uh, the defense having issues. I think Kair Elam uh, has had an incredible year. Um, McPherson had a – I don't want to say he's he's uh, tapered off, but the second half of this season is not as hot as the first part of the season. Um, and I can't foretell can't to know uh, a lot of the kickers in this country uh, this year uh, in this weird corona year that we're living in. Uh, but I would have to say – Elam, ha- I think, has the best award. Um, and, I mean, Trask, obviously, with the Davy O'Brien, I think Kyle, uh, the uh,
1: Kyle Pitts is a shoe-in for the Maxwell Award. But uh, I Mackie. think just you speaking on – You mean Mackie. Mackie is for tight end. Yes, he's up for it, but he's not a shoe-in for it. That's that. That's like the Heisman. That's the best player in college football overall. He's a shoe-in for the Mackie. I,
2: I meant what I said. I think –
1: Kyle Pitts is a shoo-in for the Maxwell Award. You think Kyle Um, Pitts is going to win the best player in college football? Yes. You think he's a shoo-in for it? I think he's a shoo-in for it. All right. We'll have to see.
2: I 100% think he's a shoo-in for it. Give me a better player overall in college football. We're not talking Heisman because I think Heisman looks at different standards and metrics and has a different field of voters. And I don't think he's a shoe in for that. I 100% think that Kyle Pitts is a shoe in for the Maxwell Award. I well, thought you were disputing that you didn't know what I was talking about. No, I I 100% think that Kyle Pitts is a shoe in for the
1: Maxwell Award. I think he's a shoe in for the E Award for the best tight end in the country. I don't think that's. Even I a think debate. he is a shoe in for the Maxwell Award. Okay, Casey with the heat. We're starting off this episode right. I like it. I think you're you're conflating should be versus will be. I don't think there's a chance he will be voted as the best player in college football by the Maxwell people. Now he should win the the Mackie for the best tight end. I don't think there's any debate about that amongst people who have watched a single snap of his. But I don't know that he has a real chance to win the Maxwell Award when that traditionally, like the Heisman, granted different standards, but like the Heisman, generally goes to a quarterback or a running back every now and then you'll get someone like Manti Teo who will be just an absolute baller on defense but I mean maybe you can make the, the case that Pitts is is that dominant at tight end but I don't I, I just don't think so I mean I'd love to be wrong he deserves it he is an animal he is a freak of nature he is not fair it, it he's just like I said on on the Tennessee post game pod, he—it's not fair to ask someone to cover him. He's a freak of nature, but I don't—I just don't see it. Tell me when who do. you think's going to win. Right. Who, who's going to win the Maxwell Award, Neil? I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. It's a popularity contest. I don't think he should win it, but I think he will.
2: I—I Claire I, I all told... sunshine off my damn podcast. Get
1: Claire all sunshine off my damn podcast. I'm not telling you who I think. Shit.
0: Bye, bye, bye. I'm not telling you who I think should win it. I'm telling you who I think will win it. All right, guys. So, I think Kyle Trask is, is, to use Casey's words, a shoe in for the Davey O'Brien. As far as the Maxwell, I don't think a Gator is going to win the Maxwell. Um, I think that it's going to be between Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones of Alabama. Uh, and if, uh, if a non-quarterback was to win that award, I think you have to look at somebody like Devonta Smith, who is having an absolute year. And I think that Devonta Smith will also win the Belitnikoff, and I don't think that Pitts will win the Belitnikoff. I am almost 100% sure that Kyle Pitts will win the, the, Ma- the Mackey Award. And I think that's critical. I think he is the best tight end in America. Not only that, but I think he's arguably the best tight end to grace college football in the last five years. As far as Evan McPherson, he's a player that should have definitely won it last year. He should have definitely been a finalist last year. Unfortunately, not only is Florida not kicking it as much this year, but Evan is not, at least as of recent, he's not having – the, the type of kicking performance that we've seen him have in previous years. He's, he's missed a few, including uh, from ranges that we usually are used to making it. So, you know, shout out to Evan. I still think he is one of the best kickers in America, but I can't say at this point that he's going to win the award. The last player we're looking at is Kyra Elam. I think Kyer Elam is having a stellar year. Um, my only apprehension to him – Winning the Jim Thorpe Award is the fact that Florida's secondary is all around not playing as well as some other secondaries. I believe that the Thorpe Award typically goes to a player who is not only playing well on their secondary, but they're also playing on an excellent secondary. You look at, didn't Stingley win the, the award last year? No, Grant Talbot did. Same team though. So he won last year, and LSU's secondary was pretty good last year. Yeah, you make a fair point there. I don't agree with Casey thinking that Kyle
1: Pitts is the shoe in for the Maxwell Award. I think that might be a case of uh, of looking too long through orange and blue lenses. I do think he is a lock for the Mackey Award. I don't think there's anyone in the country who would debate the fact that he's the best tight end in America. He's a first round NFL draft pick just waiting to happen. And he, like I said several times, and like we've all said several times, and like we've all seen happen on the field. He's just not fair. So I think he, with the Mackey, is the best chance Florida has to win an award. I think Kyle Trask has a good chance to win the Davey O'Brien and a somewhat decent chance to win the Maxwell. I fear that the Maxwell is a popularity contest, though. Uh, I mean, really all the awards are, you look at McPherson getting snubbed last year. Everyone respected the specs at Georgia with Rodrigo Blankenship. No one who watched him kick and then watched McPherson kick and compared the tape side-by-side really could say Rodrigo Blankenship had the better year, but yet he won the award and McPherson wasn't even up as a finalist. So I don't know. Um, I don't really think Elam has a great chance to win the Thorpe. Maybe if he has a, spectacular game against LSU and then against Alabama he'll be in the running but I don't think his chances are great he's had a great year but like Casey mentioned or like Dustin mentioned I don't think he plays on a very good secondary so that has hurt him so with that said let's bring on our guest and we have a theme tonight with our guest he happens to have a certain something in common with Florida's quarterback in Kyle Trask. And we'll get to that in a second. But anyway, our guest tonight hails from Ocala, Florida. He grew up loving the game of soccer. I think that's fair to say, but he dreamt of kicking footballs and having grown up less than an hour away from the University of Florida, he grew up with the dream of kicking footballs for the Florida Gators. Now, he wasn't super highly recruited, but he did enroll at the University of Florida, made the Gator team as a walk-on, kept working, kept working, kept working, kept working, eventually got put on scholarship, and he made the most of that scholarship. His 81.8 career field goal percentage made in 2013 and 2014 still stands today as the seventh best percentage in Gator football history. And fittingly enough, for our purposes today, his first ever field goal came against LSU in Death Valley in 2013. Folks, we've got Frankie Velez on our show today, and he's here to talk about overcoming odds to produce for the Florida Gators, as well as this Saturday's Florida LSU matchup. Frankie, thank you for taking the time to be with us, and welcome to our show. Thank you guys for having me. Excited to be on. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, we like to start our interviews with something that Casey likes to do, so I'll let him take it away. Casey? Yeah, so Neil mentioned
2: uh, we like to start all of our guest interviews with something we call the lightning round. Uh, helps our listeners get to know you a little better uh, and helps you ingrain yourself with our listeners as well. Uh, so, Frankie, are you ready for a little bit of a lightning round? Let's do it. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so, the first question why did you become a gator?
3: Uh, my sister went to school here back in the nineties and I grew up in Ocala. So everybody's a Gator fan there. It's kind of like a religion. Um, so that's why I'm a Gator. That's awesome. That's awesome.
2: what did your sister, uh, what did she major in in Florida? Uh,
3: she did, uh, poli sci in Florida.
2: Nice. Nice. I was going to be a poli sci major, but, uh, too much math for
3: me. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so what was your favorite win to be a part of for, as the Gator?
3: Oh, oh man! There's probably two that resonate. Was that 10 and 9 victory against the Vols, um, <laughs> and then beating Georgia my senior year, um, doing the fake with McNeely. That was that was a very it's great to be part of Gator history that way. It's awesome.
2: You know, every time I just think of that, I just think of Vern Lundquist and they fake it, Michael McNeely, the holder. Yeah. So yeah, that. Uh, you, you know in the lost decade that was gator football uh, in the 2010s that was probably my favorite my favorite win that day so yeah. uh, definitely agree with you there uh, what was your favorite gator win to witness as a fan either before or after your playing days
3: Oh, uh, man so I'd have to say I think that victory well when I was there I was I guess I, uh, I was still walking on and I wasn't at Traveling for the game, but when we beat Florida State, uh, I think it was 37-12, 7-17 uh, or something like that. Um, Matt, I'll never forget Matt Jones's run into the end zone. That felt ice is the ball game.
2: Yeah, ice It's so weird. Like when you when you're playing in the game, it's a completely different experience. But when you're watching it, you remember it from yeah the, um, from the sideline. from the announcer yeah. calling it. Yeah, and Brad Nessler called it on ESPN, and he's like, Matt Jones might ice the ball game ball game yeah. <laughs> it was just it was just a great great call that was 2012 so uh definitely it was definitely good
3: 26
1: choice. just for y'all's reference definitely good choice there Frankie
3: yeah and then uh my favorite ball time has to be that victory against Ohio State in the championship um Ted again running it back and your heart just hurt after that but then it was just complete domination after that. So, gosh, I remember I was living in Jacksonville
2: at the time, and it was just like one of those, like, "Oh boy, this gonna be a long night." And then uh, didn't turn out to be a long night. So it was, uh, it was my boy Dallas Baker showed up yeah. that night. So that was that was good to see him do that. Yeah. Um. So, what's your favorite
3: stadium, not named the Swamp, to play in? Man, I have to say Death Valley. Uh, um, I've never felt anything that loud. Maybe it was my first game um but that environment was awesome that was 2013 my first game i i, I was there in 2013
2: it was yeah. hot that day it was really yeah. hot I remember and i was like uh, i remember making the comment to my friends i was up in the stands i'm like i'm just touching the face of god today it was just so hot i was all
3: the way up yeah. there but- <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was a uh, that was a hot day there. Rough day if you were a Gator fan. It was, yeah,
3: <laughs> I was the only one uh, scoring that day. You know, that's not going to be a good day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I yeah yeah that uh, I definitely was happy when
1: you scored every time that day and the nine points that we had that day. <laughs> Six, uh. but you know what? It was a game. It was a game in the fourth quarter. We hung in there. It was. We might have been four it and eight was. that year, but we took it. We we gave him a fight. Yeah, you know I've I.
2: Frankie, I know you have different thoughts about Coach Muschamp, but I feel like there were a lot of times we could say that about Coach Coach Muschamp's time at Florida. Yeah. So, um, the last question of the lightning round, um, and it is a two-part question. What's your favorite Florida home jersey combo, and what's your favorite Florida road jersey oh, combo? Oh, man. I love the
3: blue on blue. Oh, man, my man. I love that. Uh, I want yes, I, I can't wait to see the blue on blue on blue with the blue helmets now. That'll be cool. Ooh, good call. And then away, I love classic white on white.
1: Okay. But okay. what, what helmet do you want with the white on white? Do you like the all uh, white or the orange helmet with it?
3: I never got to wear, wear the white one, so um I I get, I would have to go with the orange. Fair enough. But nice. I did like the trooper look uh, when we played uh, was it Kentucky? No, uh Vandy.
2: Vandy. Yeah. yeah. I did like the all-white thing. Yeah. See, I, I, I like the white on orange. I, I'm just a traditionalist. I just, I, I either like the white on orange or white on blue, but white on orange, you know, and I think the reason I like it, Frankie, is because it reminds me of that 2012 yeah. Florida yeah. State win. So, <laughs> I think that's why I like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I do love but, the
3: orange pants. We didn't use them that much
2: yeah. when I played. I That's love definitely. that uniform that we I mean, being in Rocky Top in person, watching that game, I mean, those uniforms are beautiful. I mean, that 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 helmet, it was just like, you got it. I mean, it was – that helmet was lit.
3: Yeah, that was nice. Great for recruiting.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, as we alluded to in the opening, you have a pretty awesome story of – I I don't, I don't want to say from rags to riches – But certainly going from a complete unknown to someone who's very known and producing for the Florida Gators, your childhood favorite team. And I don't want to tell too much of your story for you in the piece where I'm asking you the question, but I do want to kind of set the stage for you to tell it. So you made the Gator team as a walk-on, but you were told like straight up, you have less than a 1% chance to ever play it down for the Gators. This this is your childhood dream. Like you worked worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked to make it happen. And now you're basically told your dream isn't gonna happen. So first, how upsetting was that? And then tell us what happened next. How do you go from being basically told that your childhood dream is not going to happen go from that to kicking field goals for the florida gators in meaningful situations
3: well first of all i'd like to say like when you're a freshman at florida and you get that call that you're gonna make the team um you don't care what your percent chances are to play you're just happy to be there happy to be with legends uh like sturgis like elam like bostic all these guys, Vernon Hargraves, You're just happy to be in their presence. You're you want to make the team better. You're not really thinking about like as a freshman or a sophomore. You are not thinking about how how am I a walk on going to get on the field. You're really just happy to be there and you just want to work hard to stay on the team. So that's how you know I got through my first couple of years. I was playing scout receiver. Um, the only reason I made the team was because I ran probably a, a four, five, five, not laser. It was a clock watch. So it's probably a little slower than that. Um, and one of the coaches was like, Frankie, get ready to run. And I didn't kick a ball for two years, pretty much just doing scout team. Um, but then, you know, after a while, like I could, as soon as like this kicker started graduating and moving on and, and struggling at times, then I kind of saw my light during spring uh, even a couple years before I got to play is when I started actually you know doing really well and you have to be as a walk-on you pretty much have to go perfect all spring for multiple springs to get your shot so that's kind of like how I started working my way and and I you could kind of start believing in yourself once you see the ball going through constantly so that's kind of how I got through that one percent chance of playing you don't really think about it but you just got to keep in your mind that you're playing for the Florida Gators. It doesn't matter if you're actually playing, but you're on a team that's one of the best college football teams in the nation. So, But, I mean,
1: there are – there were, and, I mean, they're still out there, articles from everyone ranging from ESPN to Yahoo, and they're talking about the story of Frankie Velez. You're saying Velez gets to live his dream. And I have to imagine that when you finally got your chance, it was – surreal at first like it, it had to feel like i can't believe i'm here and then you go from that to just kicking field goals like it's nothing there's just nothing new i mean you're hitting two field goals against lsu you're hitting field goals against georgia in the big rivalry game florida was getting their brains beaten in 2013 but because you're making field goals you're slowly but surely bringing them back so how do you i mean how do you go from being basically an afterthought to being such a critical piece of the team i mean how does that
3: work in your mind Oh, man. It's uh, it's really interesting because you go from, you know, the training staff not really worrying about you to now you get like your first dibs on like cleats and, and people are making sure like you're not sick for a game or, and you have to report everything that's going on with your body because you're a key part of the team now. So that was really where I started to notice like things are really changing and people actually care about you and you mean something to this team. So that, that's been, that was the part that really, you know, changed in my life and was kind of hard to believe at first. But I mean, once I'm in the game, I I think, I always said practice is harder than the game because I have Muschamp breathing down my neck and coach Durkin yelling at me and, you know, they're all right there during practice. But when you're in the game, it's just muscle memory, you're numb and you're just kicking the ball. So to me the games were, were were more easy than practice.
2: What was it like to be coached under Coach Musjam? Like because we all as fans have this 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 idea of what he was like, right? That Coach Boom and you know, just seeing him on the sidelines and seeing his reactions, but what was he like when the cameras were off behind closed scenes oh, or behind closed doors? He's
3: the most down to earth human being you'll ever meet. I don't think I think you could take a survey of every single one of his players and there's not, they're not going to see one negative comment about coach Muschamp. Um, He's the nicest guy. Uh, You love his fire. He makes you want to run through a brick wall for him and I'm the kicker. So imagine what he does for a defense. So, I mean, sure. We didn't have great years uh, with him, but he ran a clean program. Um, He ran a good defense and I don't – he's just a great person, one of my favorite people I'll ever meet. So, um, just honored sure. to play for him. Do you, uh, do you still keep in touch with him at uh, all? Not, not really. I think, you know, they all change their numbers and stuff. Um, he did give me letters of recs for, like, law school and different programs and scholarships that I've applied. So, he's always – if you reach out to his, like, office, he's always willing and ready to help his former players out. Um, I wish I, I wish I could keep in contact with him maybe in the future. I can find a way to do that, but they, they change numbers so fast and I I don't, he's not really on Twitter. I think it's more just like tweets that he does for recruiting. So.
2: I think our listeners will appreciate that to understand, you know, who he was behind closed scenes because a lot of fans, including myself, just look at the on-field records and versus, you know, what we see on TV. So I, I, I wanted to ask you that question to kind of. Yeah.
3: I'd like to add also that every place that he goes to um, I think are, they were behind the time on facilities and then he leaves the place and the play, the school suddenly gets great facilities. He did it at Florida. Um, We got a, a indoor practice facility and we're doing a bunch of renovations and new locker rooms. And then he just did it at South Carolina. And so he's, he's leaving the program and I think in good positions for the future. And I think it's reflecting on both South Carolina and Florida. Yeah, for sure. What I mean, whatever else you want to say about
1: him, he does, he does get that. He does get credit for that for sure. Yeah. But So let's, let's move on and talk about the current team. And let's start by talking about the guy that I compared you to granted in a tangential sort of fashion. But nonetheless, comp- there is a common denominator between you and Kyle Trask. Like you, he was not highly recruited. I think before 2019, certainly before 2018, few people outside of Gainesville knew who the guy was. Um, now he's the Heisman Trophy candidate, and I think the frontrunner for it. Now, there are differences in your stories. You grew up a diehard Gator. He grew up a diehard Aggie. Um, he was offered a scholarship to Florida out of high school. And you came as a walk-on, had to work your way into a position of producing for them. Um, And he plays the most prestigious and most uh, scrutinized position in the game of football. Kickers are obviously a big piece of it. As you mentioned, you were the only one to score that day in Death Valley, so we're not discounting that. But quarterback's the position that gets the tightest microscope on it. But there is the key denominator okay there there are differences for sure for sure between your stories I'm not trying to make an apples to apples comparison here but there is the key denominator with you and Trask in that you both chose to attend the University of Florida fully aware that you did not have great odds to play and you defied those odds you beat the odds and you became people who produced for the Gator football team. So having gone through your experience at the University of Florida, what has it been like as a diehard fan as you mentioned, from your childhood days, what's it been like to watch Trask rise up from
3: an afterthought to a Heisman trophy contender? Wow. Uh, First of all, I don't think that uh, you can mention me uh, within the same breath as uh, probably a future Heisman winner, but um, I appreciate that. But it's just, it's, it's been amazing to watch. I mean, this kid is, uh, you know, my, before, before Trask, my favorite quarterback, was Rex Grossman and Trask has definitely outshined him and, and he's my favorite quarterback of all time now. Um, but other than that, like in the, in today's college football, when you can transfer to any school pretty much for any reason to watch Trask stay in school and work as hard as he has to, um, you know, makes, makes everything I did makes everything that walk-ons do it It just motivates people and i think it it'll it'll allow for other players to do the same thing in the future and not just hit that exit transfer portal so fast because it, it's a it's a truly amazing story and i think it's going to go down as one of the best stories at florida that we will ever have i don't think we'll ever see anything like this again so very uh i'm getting kind of sad that we only have a few games left to watch him play um, so, enjoying the last couple games of Kyle Trask. So, I have a sort of uh,
1: variation to that question as a follow-up, though. Um, you know, you kicked. He throws the ball. Granted, you, you, know, you have your skill sets. He also does some things that are not in the job description for a quarterback. We've seen him punt. We've seen him take off and run the ball. I mean, He's not Tim Tebow, but we've seen him do things that are not just dropping back and throwing the ball. Do you think that he just sort of like feels it? Because he says, you know what? Screw it. I've defied the odds this much to get to where I am now. I may as well just go all out. Or do you think that this is something that he's uncomfortable with? Because it seems to me like he enjoyed punting that ball against Tennessee. He enjoyed taking off on on that run against Missouri like it seems like he enjoys doing the things that aren't in the typical quarterback job description what do you think
3: uh, i mean every anytime i see him run i was uh, get a little scared just cuz i don't want him to get hurt but yeah i mean i think he i think he's so intellectual he knows the game of football so well that he knows that he has to run it because it'll open up things in the future and i think he reads defenses so well that anything he- he does i i trust because he knows the defense that they're running he's seen every defense so he knows that this is going to be the best play and I, I don't know if he feels uncomfortable with it but i think he knows that it's the perfect football play at the right time so he's he's comfortable doing it and the punt like great form uh maybe that should be his heisman statue uh ne- next to Danny <laughs> Neil, neil what did Hunters. i text
0: you what
2: did i text you yeah because it took me a minute to figure out. It took me a minute. I'm like, is that Trask? Holy hell! But I said something other than hell. I was yeah. like, holy hell, that's Trask! And I told Neil, I said, that's going to be that man's Heisman statue outside of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. That is going to be that man's Heisman statue. I and want it so, to be the Frankie, point. thank you for making making Debbie yeah. Donner Schulman. Uh, Put, be put in I do like his point. Because I said the same the thing the that point. you said. So, Neil, can't Yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead, point. Neil, and try to make yourself feel better. I
3: will, let me add. I, I will add that I don't know about you guys, but I've never been part of a, a – maybe it's selfish, but I've never watched the Gators play and get, like, hope, that like maybe we get a pick but not a pick six so that Kyle can throw another touchdown or that we hand the ball off and they don't score just so Kyle can – get another touchdown it's it's been that's how good our offense is so it's been crazy fun like even how that kyle's been able to make people think that but he's so selfless and and he's never bragged he's so humble and it's just it's been great to watch it was so funny being at it was so funny being at newland with uh a bunch
2: of our listeners from our from our podcast And when Tennessee was driving in garbage time, I'm like, let him score, let him score because that'll have Kyle's stats. Let him score, let him score. And these Tennessee fans were behind me and they're like, I hate you, but I understand you. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But yeah, I mean, I a hundred percent get that. And you know, this team, you know, the um, Gators football account put out a uh, tweet where Uh, Grimes came in and stole a touchdown from Jacob Copeland. Loved it. Um, And watching that reaction, that they're all having fun with it, right? You saw Copeland go, that was mine. That was mine. And Grimes came in and took it. And, you know, Copeland later had an amazing touchdown in the corner of the end zone and those god-awful vomit orange and white end zones that they have up there. You know, climbed the ladder and had this amazing touchdown in the end zone but you can tell this team is playing as a unit. You can tell this team is playing as a whole. Um, So, you know, you mentioning that, absolutely 100% right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll admit that I I do kind of share that with you, uh, Frankie. Like, when I see Florida driving, I kind of hope that – if if someone breaks a run or if someone's you know running an outright or something, he'll double back just so that Thorrow'll gets the ball at the five and not the two because you think then they might yeah. try to run it in with Pierce. Like, no, I want to I want to see a touchdown pass from Trask. Yeah. Had those stats, <laughs> get those touchdowns up. So I, I I know you can't really do that. You got to score first and foremost. Yeah. But, but I will say I, I, there's I, yeah. there there there's
2: something special about scoring against Tennessee and Knoxville so you look at 2012 yeah uh when Bur- Burton flies down the sidelines Burton may go Burton touchdown and you had Dr- Jeff Driscoll I mean I I've never seen And apologies to everybody listening to this I've never seen a white boy run like that I <laughs> oh mean my God, I mean he does just, just like that because look I'm a white boy and I'm saying this there were there were I mean, Driscoll went wild that night. He's uh, up there. And, you know, we were down, and we came back, and we stormed back to win up there. And it was just – there's something special about doing it on Rocky Top.
0: Yeah, and uh, we're going to get to a position that you have a lot of knowledge about. So, as we mentioned earlier in our show, Evan McPherson is up for the Groza Award as a semifinalist. He did miss a field goal in each of his – last couple games, but overall, he's obviously been very, very good this year and really throughout his career as a whole. We've asked Caleb Sturgis this, but after he got snubbed last year, we feel as though it can hurt They have multiple former Gator kickers campaigning for him. So we'd like for you to make the case for why McPherson
3: should win the Groza. Frankie, what do you think? Man, so I – Sturgis is uh, – he's my number one uh, gator kicker ever. I think his ball strike and it, the way he had the distance he could put on a ball and it was perfect every time. And Evan McPherson reminds me of him. Like, their form is, is consistent every time. They hit the ball high. And this kid is – if anything, he's just been too consistent to even resemble a college football kicker. So maybe it, it will hurt him to be to, – you know have a worse percentage than he did his freshman and sophomore year um so i I mean I hope he gets it. I know Sturgis was snubbed of a of a Grozo award uh also so but you know, I don't think this kid can do much more than how consistent he's been i mean you know, I, what i'll always I'll never forget his one one of his misses his freshman year where he kicked it too high against Kentucky, and it was clearly a good field goal but the rest couldn't see it, so it was a miss. Okay. Um,
1: Hold on a second, Frankie. I'm gonna I'm just gonna tell you for that game, I there was sitting we go. right underneath that upright. I was in I was four rows off the field in the end zone, maybe a foot, two feet or so away from that upright. I saw that go inside the upright. I am still livid. <laughs> it's two years later. We've beaten them twice in a row already, whatever. I'm not even mad about yeah. the streak being broken anymore. How do you miss that? How is a referee when you're paid to watch a ball whether it goes left or right of up an upright, and you're right there? How do you miss that? I I just I don't get it. The ref was
2: because the ref, his name is David Smith, and he was a quarterback for the University of Alabama from 1986 to 1990. So I'm just putting that out there. Wow. That is just
1: infuriating. infuriating.
2: Public record. This That's is just public record. So infuriating. Not <laughs>
3: I, I digress. I, just... I, mean, I, I haven't watched many of the other uh, college kickers. I know the Georgia kicker is good. Um, I've only seen really the SEC guys, but I mean, I wish they could take into account his other years as well because he's one of the most consistent kickers I've ever seen. Um, he's the same motion constantly every single time. Well, and Frankie, that's a really good
2: segue into turning our attention to the team as a whole. Uh, So Florida is a top 10 team in every major poll, including the college football playoff rankings. And really as much as we or some want to lament on losing to Texas A&M, we control our destiny and Texas A&M does not, you know, we are four wins away from a national championship. um, And we are one win or two wins away from a sec championship. Uh, So I'm not just, I I, want to look at this from a, you know, global perspective. We're not winning in especially a pretty fashion. Um, You know, take away the Arkansas win, you know, and even that was a little ugly. You know, we're starting off slow, but we end up fixing it the second half, which I know you're probably very familiar with as a member of the 2012 uh, Florida team that that came from behind in a lot of different games um, that they played. But I don't know how much of a believer in game spreads and Vegas odds that you are, but Florida's failed to cover the spread and in each of their last three games. And they don't seem to have a dependable running game. And I was at Tennessee this weekend. I mean, that was that was rough. If you're a fan of a running game and you're a fan of Florida, that was, that was just rough to watch. Um, the defense is good in spots and not good in other spots. And it's good in some games and not in other games. And the team hasn't really put together a full 60 minute good on all three sides of the ball, talking offense, defense, and special teams. Um, And we have one more game before the showdown with Alabama here in Atlanta where I live. I'm so happy the Gators are coming to see me again. (laughs) Um, But we really have one more chance to tune things up before the biggest game of the year. And I would argue the biggest game of the decade because we look at 2015 and 2016 and, you know, no offense to any of the players there. We sort of knew that it was a David versus Goliath fight for those. Um, but now, you know, we are truly competitive with Alabama. Um, I, I, I seem to think, you know, the spread was released by Vegas today that it's it's a 14-point spread. I think our offense can do a little better than that. Um, I seem to think it's going to be a shootout, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but – we all want to see Florida win the game, but besides that, what particularly are you looking for to see from the Gators in? And it's weird to say that LSU is a tune-up game (laughs) uh, because LSU normally is not that. Um, But I think we could all agree that LSU is probably a tune-up game and, and Florida should either pad the stats, cover the spread do very well in that game. And considering the Twitter videos that we've seen this week about the LSU fans saying it sucks to be a Florida Gator, the LSU players Gator chomping, um, seeing all the things that we've seen, and, you know, you've been in this rivalry as a player, um, and you've played in multiple games against LSU. Um, What are you looking to see um, from the players?
3: Well, yeah, they're definitely not going to overlook LSU, especially after losing last year's game. Um, so I think it, I mean, it is a tune up, but I think it's going to be, I think we really need to just focus in and worry about LSU, which I, I'm not worried about. Um, but just play a clean game. I know we've gotten off to slow starts. I'm not sure if, if Mullen's just keeping it Manila for, for Bama. Cause at the beginning of the year, you know, he was throwing all the plays out, um, give it to the running back, pass it back to Trask, deep bomb. He was doing all these different type of schemes and now it's kind of just gone to. We know we're going to win this game. Maybe let's keep it playing. And so I think maybe we'll see the same against LSU on offense, um, and then just pull out all the stops against Bama like we did for the Georgia game for on offense. Um, defensively, I, I don't know. I I'm not really worried about our run game. I, our run stoppage. I think with Kyrie Campbell back in the in the um, in the middle it made a huge difference in, for our defense. So I, I'm not worried about Alabama's run game. Um, it's really just that Devonta Smith deep pass that I'm really terrified of. And I don't know, I mean, maybe we double him or figure something out because the deep passes are definitely there against our team. And, and that's the one thing that I'm terrified of because you saw that Georgia could, could have passed it deep if they had a, a semi-decent passer against us. So um just, I'm looking for them to clean up the secondary, and and I, I'm not worried about our our run game, or stopping the run. So,
2: I think that I'm really worried about like what I mentioned, the full sixty minutes. Like right, that Georgia game was good, but you know we put the foot completely pedal to the metal on the gas the first half, but then the second half we took it off, yeah. and. What are your thoughts on what you've seen with that? I mean, what's your – I know you, you're not a member of this team and you haven't played on a team coached by Dan Mullen, but what's your thought on what you've seen first half versus second half? I mean, when we need to in the second half, we can do it. I mean, look at Kentucky. And the defense put the pedal to the metal against Kentucky. and Neil knows stats better than I do. You know, what, what were Kentucky's total yards –
1: for for uh, against us in the second half, Kentucky got 41 yards of total offense in the second half. But again, as Dustin likes to say, context—they were missing a ton of players that day, so I'm not really sure just how impressive that is. Well, but the point is, we locked them down the second half. And Frankie, right. I want to ask you
2: as a as a player that that's played in this game, what goes on between the first half and the second half, and 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 what goes on in the halftime that the coach says to you or a player says to you or the motivations what goes into that that truly inspires you to get out on the field and say i'm ready to you know like what you mentioned that you were ready to run through a brick wall for coach must yeah what does he say to you that makes you want to do that what is inside of you that makes you want to do that
3: uh, i mean as a kicker you know we're only in the locker room for like 10 minutes but i do li- i do listen to what the coach have to say and a lot of the times you know we we did start off slow because our offense was never good um and our defense at times wasn't good and you and there's a lot of yelling that goes on in the locker room um i'm not sure about this staff what they do but i'm i'm i know that a lot was definitely said at halftime for that kentucky game because you saw how mad mullen was at the coordinator and i'm sure it was about christmas lights um (laughs) sure it was about Christmas lights and how he decorated his yard, but I'm I'm sure they talked about that a lot more in the locker room. Um, so I think, at, you know, I, we, we adjust when we have to. Um, in Georgia, we came out strong in the first half, uh, and then we took our foot off the gas. In the second half, we played it safe. I think it was just the way the game was handled. Uh, I don't think, wasn't upset about that one. I mean, it, you get frustrated at times, but I think that they're getting ready for Bama, and I think that we're hiding a lot of stuff that we don't want to show right now. So that's what I'm, I'm uh, hoping for, and I hope we have a game similar to LSU last year because that was fun to watch. Interesting. You mentioned something that I wanted to ask you about because
1: that's, the talk this week is getting ready for Bama, saving stuff for Bama, fine-tuning stuff for Alabama. This is a rivalry game. Florida LSU is a rivalry game. Yeah, Florida's got some stuff to improve on. Florida's got some stuff to get better at. Absolutely. And LSU is not what they were last year. They're not what they were in 2018. This is our last chance to get live reps in before we play in what's basically a national quarterfinal for us. So I'm not discrediting that line of thought at all. But the other side of that coin that I think a lot of people seem to be forgetting is this is a rivalry. We have one more regular season game. It's it's senior night against our rival. No, not our biggest rival, but I mean, it, you know, it's not FSU the way we usually finish our seasons. But it's a rivalry, and it's a pretty nasty one. There's real hatred there. You go back to LSU fans hijacking Tim Tebow's number in 2007. They did it again two years later with Riley Cooper. There's the Hurricane Matthew mess of 2016. Jim McElwain going, well, you, they got what they deserved. Fans doing gator chops, the players, Darius Geis walking up to cameras and doing the chop in their face and you know the fans holding up posters of Felipe Franks with a leg cut off and just dangling, just horrible stuff. That yeah. There's real hatred there. People forget that. And I mean, I experienced this firsthand. I went to the 2018 game with my cousin and his fiance and some of the traveling LSU fans are just hurling all kinds of degrading and sexual slurs at her for no reason, just for this day thing. Hey, behavior. hey,
2: hey, you have not been to a Florida LSU game until you've had ketchup, mustard, and red pepper flakes thrown at you while living in New Orleans when they pulled a fake field goal in 2010, and you haven't been to a Florida LSU game until somebody, an LSU fan looks at me when they their band started playing over Tom Petty and said, he's dead, what's it matter? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The point is, I don't...
1: The point is I don't I don't think that that their fans act like this when they play North Texas or even Mississippi State, for that matter. I this is a top three rival for Florida. I right. mean,
2: look yes. if you, it, it doesn't matter what order you put it in. Florida State, Georgia, LSU. Right. Those are the top three games that we play every year.
1: Certainly since Matthew. Maybe before Matthew happened, you could argue that they're a tier below, but now since Matthew happened, it's a rivalry. But and you know, and the players are into it. You know, you were there, you heard it, you heard all the stuff. The players are jawing at each other. So the point is we've talked about how Florida has come out and played underwhelmingly the last few weeks. Casey mentioned the spread. Um, we, you know, we didn't cover against Vanderbilt. We didn't cover against Kentucky. We didn't cover against Tennessee. We left points on the field. We didn't play up to the Gator standard as Dan Mullen says, why do you think that this game against LSU will be the one that changes that or do Is you The biggest, standard the Gator standard? <laughs> well, I mean, than, but, all right, I'll rephrase hey, gambler, it. So why, gambler's
2: anonymous. I'll, sure I'll,
1: I'll, okay, I'll rephrase Hey, bet, betting is legal in New Jersey. Thank you very much where I happen to live. But I'll, I'll <laughs> rephrase it. We have not played a 60-minute game that I think meets the standard Dan Mullen wants us to play at since at the very most recent Arkansas and maybe not even all season. So why do you think yeah. the LSU game will bring out a 60 minute game from Florida
3: that Dan Mullen can be proud of. I just think it's uh, the time's coming. I, I, I think the games that the last three games, you know, have been just the way the cards were drawn. I don't think, you know, you'd like Emery and the running backs to, to score that, that last touchdown. I, who was it against Vandy? I think just to run up the score, but I don't think Mullen really cares about that. I think he really just cares about, you know, winning and, Running his offense the way he wants to, um, I think this, this LSU game. I think we're just going to see it because it's 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 time. I, um, we're going to have an. I think we'll have another game similar to Arkansas. Maybe we'll put up forty something this game, and I think we'll definitely cover. Um, I just I think LSU's really down right now. Yeah, well, so, all right, throw, forget
1: forget the Vegas part of it. I mean, that is something that I like to keep an eye on typically. I mean, they've been wrong sometimes, but typically they know what they're saying. Usually they're within four, five, six points or so, what the final margin is. But the point is Florida has been underwhelming the last few weeks. I think you agree with that. I mean, Casey and I, or, or Dustin and I, were very clear about that on our Tennessee postgame pod. We're winning games, but we're not obliterating teams. I mean, you mentioned – saving stuff for Alabama. Uh, Alabama doesn't do that. They just go out and blow everybody to kingdom come. Like they beat Kentucky by 60. they beat been 63 to three. They beat Tennessee by 31. They beat LSU 55, 17. They're not saving anything. They're, they're embarrassing them week after week after week. And that's what kind of has me worried. But I'm wondering if you think that LSU is the game that will have Florida finally go out and do that against an opponent. That is, as we all mentioned, not at Florida's caliber.
3: I don't I mean I don't think that Mullen's gonna do anything different than he's done the last three games. I just think that LSU's defense right now is in shambles and there's a lot of holes in the secondary, even though they still have amazing athletes. But just with their morale, I think that we're gonna we're gonna put up points against them. I don't think Mullen's gonna do anything out of the ordinary pull or pull any trick plays out. I think it's going to be more of the same that we've seen. And just by the draw, LSU is, is down, and we're going to put up points against them. But, I, I mean, I'm not worried about our offense. I just want to see our defense play a complete game. I'm really not concerned about the offense. But the defense, it's, it's, it's the one thing that, that we're lacking, and I, I, just, I would like them to get some confidence for the Bama game. 100%.
0: So, Frankie, I know that now that, uh, now that we're both watching the Gators as fans, we really want to see Kyle Trask win the Heisman. And obviously we're going we're gonna to stay positive, and we hope the Gators can be inevitable and beat Bama. But in your mind, what scenario would have to happen in order for Kyle Trask to win the Heisman, even in a loss to Alabama? And just to rephrase that, what does Kyle Trask have to do this week against LSU to cement himself as the Heisman Trophy winner for twenty twenty, regardless of what happens in the Alabama game?
3: Yeah, uh, great question. So I think uh, first of all, beat Danny Werfel's single season record, which I think he'll do. Um, that will be that will resonate really, really immensely with the with the voters this and we everyone knows how good Danny Warfel is and what a legend he was just beating that with a 10 game SEC schedule one of the hardest schedules Florida's ever had to play because we didn't have two power powder puff games in the beginning of the season to pad stats um so I mean three to four more touchdowns against LSU and then if he plays like he did against Burrow last year I really think The trophy is his. Um, That game, people forget. This is why I knew after that game that Trask was going to be amazing and probably the next Burrow. I didn't think it was going to be this good. But the way he played against Burrow last year, going toe-to-toe with Burrow in Death Valley, not even the – who did they play? Clemson? I don't even think Trevor Lawrence looked as good as Trask did um, against LSU. So that – I really think just more solid games like that, and the trophy's his. I think Bama has too many other players that have taken some th- touchdowns away from Jones that i mean i don't I, I think it would be a robbery if Trask didn't win this Heisman
2: you know Florida this weekend has a big opportunity um, you know we don't, Florida only lost. Uh, five times in the swamp from 1990 to 2001 Uh, and we've only had back-to-back unbeaten seasons at home uh, since 2005-2006 that was the last time we had it Um, but really this year we have a chance to fix that so last year we were undefeated at home if we beat LSU at home this year we will have the first back-to-back unbeaten season at home since then Um, and I want to look at LSU with this with this question here before we get to the verdict. Um, and LSU's had a lot of guys opt out through the season um, throughout the course of the year. Uh, so a few days ago, one their their star wide receiver, uh, Terrence Marshall opted out. And there was talk about some Florida players opting out in the offseason. Uh, and today, uh, we just got a word that LSU star freshman tight end Arik Gilbert is planning to opt out, most likely, um, from their season. Uh, And ultimately, on nobody's Florida rosters did. Uh, You know, we had this worry that there were three players that were going to opt out for Florida to start the season, and they didn't do that. Um, But what do you think in comparing and contrasting the culture that Florida has versus what LSU has, especially LSU looking, they're coming off of an undefeated national championship season, which is incredibly hard to do. Um, You know, and this was pre-COVID. So it was incredibly hard to do. And as much as I hate LSU and god-awful purple and gold and Colin Baton Rouge, I hate all of it. But what do you think that says for a program coming off an undefeated national championship season versus Florida, which was almost there, in 2019, and close to being there in 2018.
3: Well, I think I think what you're seeing is you know having one good season versus building a program. Um, but you but you can definitely see what a quarterback does for a program, which you know unless you had one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in college last year, and then all of a sudden he's gone, and Maybe they don't – they lose um, the coordinator who went to the Carolina Panthers. What was his name? Uh, uh,
2: Brady. Joe Brady.
3: Yeah, maybe that was really big into it. Um, but you don't see that next quarterback stepping up, as you can see with Florida where we have Emery Jones waiting and he's looking good. Um, you know, he's going to bring a different offense to the team. Um, and then you have Anthony Richardson, who I've heard is really good as well. And then you have – Kitna coming in and um, Del Rio coming in, so we you know we see this tree of quarterbacks where Mullen is. What he does with quarterbacks is great, and I think that that's what we're seeing in college football. Is like if you have a solid room of quarterbacks, then your program's going to be fine. Um, and I don't think LSU has that right now. And and Ogeron, I mean he's he's probably one of those guys who's like must champ. You want to play for him, you, you get motivated to play for him, um, but he's not Mullen. Um, it's, it's all about quarterback development, and I think we're seeing that in the SEC now with all these offenses. So now
2: Take off the, the orange and blue glasses and put yourself back as a recruit, right, and say that you don't have the Florida connections. Based off of what you're seeing, where are you most likely to commit right now? If it's Florida, if it's Clemson, if it's Alabama, where are you most likely to commit right now? Assuming that your sister doesn't go to Florida, where are you most likely to uh, go?
1: Man, assuming you have offers from
2: from, yeah. from yeah. you have from every place that you want to go.
3: It's so difficult. I think um, I think kids now they like the flashy, they like the nice facilities. Um, Clemson's got a, a I think they have like a putt putt eighteen holes in their facilities, um, barber shops. And, all, and, you know, lockers with, with LCD screens with their f- pictures on it. Um, so I think that that's – I think that's what players are, are ultimately going for um, nowadays. And, but I think, you know, Flo- I mean, Florida, we're coming up in facilities. Um, so I think we're up there with – after – it's always like a game. You know, one school upgrades their facilities, the next school is going to upgrade their facilities, and it's going to keep going. Um, it's an arms race. Yeah, it's an arms race. I, I don't, I don't know how you decide. I, I, Cause I'm such a Florida fan that it never really crossed my mind. I mean, I wasn't a big recruit, so I didn't have that luxury. You know, you're looking at five programs with all the same facilities, and you start looking at what your position does. Like if you're a tight end, you look at what Florida's doing with their tight ends. You insert Gamble and Zipper and they're basically, you know, they're not pits, but they're doing, they're getting touchdowns. So I think players see that they want to get to the next level. And uh, Florida's got good coaching at the, at the tight end position. So I think it's all about coaching. It's about facilities. Um, and I don't know much about LSU's facilities. Maybe they're not as nice as as these other, as Florida, Clemson, Bama, Texas A&M. Um, but maybe they're falling behind on that. But I, I think they still have like a bunch of five stars on on defense. But so I don't know. As a player, I think you you look at what a coach can do for you and then, um, the facilities, I think, are second.
2: I got one of the greatest um, compliments from an LSU fan of mine um, that said, Dan Mullen is developing a team that's a plug-and-play. That, right, you can take Kyle Pitts and you can take Kamori Zamble or, you, or um, Keon Zipper and you can take Kamori Gamble and you just plug-and-play. Or Anthony Richardson, and he said, y'all are set for a while. And he said, you know, as an LSU fan – it was incredible to have last year, but, you know, based off of what you just said and based off of what my LSU friend said, that it's a plug and play offense. That's the biggest compliment you can get along with Emmitt McPherson. And hats off to Jacob Finn. He had some incredible punts.
3: Actually, yeah. uh, I've met him a few times at, at UF, played some basketball with him, great kid. And, uh, you know, I talked to him before, before when all the t- Townsends were there and, and told him to hang, hang in there and your day is going to come. And that's what he's doing. And he's done most of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, just like you did Frankie. Um, But so I wanted to follow, follow up with a specific zoom in on the LSU opt-outs. We're we're talking about what you would want to do as a recruit if you were in that position right now. Um, Let's, let's go back to the same scenario Casey sort of painted that you're, you're a recruit. You've got all these offers from everywhere in the country including Florida and LSU. And let's say you're not a Florida fan growing up. You're not from Ocala. You don't have that connection. Does what you're seeing at LSU with all the opt-outs and what you're seeing at Florida with guys like Zach Carter and Kadarius Tony and Jacob Copeland talking about opting out in the offseason, ultimately not doing that, sticking with the Gators – and now they're in the chase for a national championship. Does all that play into your decision? I think
3: think LSU has a lot of other issues um, that they're dealing with with the program. I know they had some allegations and, um, you know, you had the whole Odell Beckham throwing money in the locker room. I think since then that program uh, took a little turn downwards. Um, So they have a lot of issues that they're dealing with. Um, Yeah, I think – I think the Florida players ultimately choosing to play, I think they knew that they were going to have a special season. And, you know, I think it's easy to play when you know you're going to win and when you know you're going to start for a, a top 16 and play for a championship. I think the LSU –
2: consistent yeah. top six yes. yes, Yes. Right. Yeah. Consistent.
3: Yeah, I think LSU knew that the players knew they weren't going to have a good year. And I don't think I've ever seen a team go from a nat- national championship to a losing season – there there hasn't been. And here's the thing.
2: Here's the difference between a Florida and an LSU. LSU builds their season off of beating Alabama. That is their Super Bowl. Just like Georgia builds their season off of beating Florida. That's their Super Bowl. We operate differently. That we want to win more games, not just one game. And I think that's what LSU ran into. Like last year, I mean, my text just didn't stop you know that they beat Alabama and you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, how many times all have
3: you hail Alabama? Ed Orgeron. Yeah. I mean, how many years have you beaten Alabama in the last 10 years? Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting what's going on there. I've, I, I've never seen a, a bigger fall from grace. So Frankie, what are you doing now?
2: Um, what are you doing post Florida life? Uh, what, 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 you, what are your dreams or your hopes? What are you doing? Tell us about it. Um,
3: So now I'm living in Miami. Um, I'm an attorney. I do uh, trading customs, international tax at KPMG. Um, I'm married now. I married my uh, beautiful wife. She's a former da- uh, Dazzler. So uh, we're happily living in Miami now. I, I almost spit out my
1: water when you say KPMG because my dad works there.
3: Oh, wow. What uh, what group
1: is he in? He does, uh, he does tax law and benefits. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Small world, man. That, it, Frankie, that's so
2: cool that you're working for uh, a member of the Big Four and you um, married and you're living in Miami. I'm really sorry about that part, but um, <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you went to UF Law? Yeah, yeah.
3: I'm a triple Gator actually. Wow, um, so, yeah. oh,
2: awesome. That's that's really awesome. That's really well, awesome. Hey, well, um, have you been to any games this year? Uh,
3: not this year, unfortunately um just because when i when i go home to ocala i'm, I'm seeing my parents and i don't want to you know deal with the virus and that and bringing that home so i kind of just we'll just wait until next year I'm actually hoping to go to the lsu game next year be where i first played at so
2: hey go to the alabama game next year they play yeah. at home next year so
1: that'll be a hot ticket to get we gotta do yeah. we gotta do some kind of uh, in all kinds of weather tailgate there and we'll
0: yeah. definitely
1: we gotta yeah. meet up with you there for right. sure
0: so so, Frankie, man! Congratulations on on uh, living the dream. You're an attorney. You married your beautiful wife. I, I'm 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 stoked for you. Now we're about to dive into something called the verdict, but I don't think we've ever gone to this part of our uh, podcast with an actual attorney. <laughs> so you you have spent your entire education process and your, your livelihood now is about getting a favorable verdict. And we're hoping to once again, get a favorable verdict from you. So the expectations are high that your responses over the next few minutes are uh, very professional and attorney like. So, (laughs) so, uh, the verdict is so You don't up. have to
2: call any of
0: us your honor. You
2: don't have to yeah, do no. any. Of yet.
0: Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> All right. So, this is the last game of the regular season. So, our listener our listeners are very familiar with how we do this, but just to recap, we're going to start by by giving our keys to the game and then we'll end with giving our picks. So, Frankie, let's go ahead and get your keys to the game. We'll we'll save your your uh, pick for last, All right. Um, but go ahead and give us your keys to the game. What do the Gators have to do to win?
3: And you can take it from any angle you'd like. Um, really just focusing on defense this week, um, getting the corners ready, no deep plays, um, stop the run, um, show something for next week, give the guys some confidence, and I'm not worried about the offense. So it's really all just about preventing the big play in my book. Yeah,
1: see, I agree with that. Um, I'll I'll give one on both sides of the ball. Uh, my key for the offense is just to hold serve in the trenches. Florida's not losing this game if Kyle Trask has time to throw the ball. And I said this earlier in the week. I've more or less made peace with the fact that Florida doesn't have a dependable running game and we don't, it's not really the most important thing in the world when you have a Heisman Trophy quarterback or Heisman Trophy contending quarterback and a tight end, who's just not fair to ask someone to have to guard. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm going to assume that we're not going to just completely abandon it. And so when we do run the ball, let's at least create some push, some holes and and just not get dominated there. Because if yeah. we even just keep the line of scrimmage to a point of, neutrality where they don't dominate us, we win big time. And defensively just don't give up the, the big plays. Like Frankie said, um, Florida this year has already given up five touchdown plays of 50 yards or more in the first nine games of the year. That's, that's pretty bad. And for perspective on how bad it is the 2007 defense that Gator fans like to grouse about and use as a measuring stick for comparing this team to, only gave up four touchdowns of 50 yards or more. And that was in 13 games. So we've already surpassed that in nine. So with all the problems LSU has a quarterback and on the offensive line and with key guys like Terrace Marshall opting out, I don't think the Tigers can sustain long drives like Tennessee did, even though they did have a backup quarterback. Um, so if we don't bust coverages, if they can't hit some big plays, they're dead. So for Florida, that just means do your assignment, trust that your 10 teammates on defense will do theirs, don't royally screw up and bust the coverage deep, and this is an easy win. My key to the game, it's not defense, it's not the running game.
2: I want to see Kyle Trask just say, good evening, haters, and just throw five touchdowns, and let's hang 50 on these Cajun bums.
1: (laughs) So what you're telling me is this game is such a lopsided mismatch on paper. You're not even worried about the keys for Florida winning the game. You're already thinking ahead to the key for Kyle Trask to win the Heisman because, you know, he's being measured in comparison to Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So he's got to go out and put up some big stats against an opponent that is conducive to putting up big stats against.
0: Hey, hey, don't get me started about Trevor Lawrence and, Justin Fields. Let's dive into some keys real quick. Casey, I agree with you 100%. We got to let Trask go. We got, so this is not the game to try to figure out an offense. This is not the game to, as Mullen jokingly said today in the press conference, to run it 60 times. No. (laughs) That's how you lose to LSU, running 60 times and having multiple three and outs. That can't happen. What needs to happen, and and I believe that I believe that LSU is going to lose. I believe Florida is going to win this game, and for Florida to lose this game, it would it would take an, it would have to it would be multiple interceptions, multiple fumbles. It would it would have to be a worst case scenario kind of game. So the question is not whether Florida is going to win. The question is what does Florida have to do to put themselves in the best position to number one be ready to play Alabama, and number two, see Kyle Trask win the Heisman. And I'll go ahead and get the last one out there. I think Kyle Trask needs to have five touchdowns, and he needs to – I mean, I know you don't really want your, your, your Heisman hopeful running the ball, but if there's any way that Mullen could come up with a creative um, touchdown run for Trask where – you know, there's literally nobody on the left side of the field and he runs left or some type of option play or, or read option or something. I want to see Kyle Trask get a running touchdown. That's something I want to see. Now, will it happen? It remains to be seen, but it's something I want to see. As far as defense, very simple. You got to get LSU off the field. I agree with Neil 100%. We need to see our defense get three and outs from LSU. So with that said, we're going to dive right into our score projections. This is not a good LSU team, okay? I mean, going through their schedule, Auburn, Auburn beat LSU 48 to 11. So I think the Gators can do at least a little bit better than Auburn. And so I'm going to pick the Gators to win 49 to 10. Oof. Now, with that said, Oof. we would like to interrupt this special program and bring on a guest picker all the way from the bayous of Louisiana. We have none other than Ed Orgeron. Welcome, Ed. Hey, I'm so honored that you've come on with us.
4: Thank you, for having me on. So, Thank you very much. So, I
0: have I have to ask you, Ed. I know uh, you, you may have had a few drinks tonight, so hopefully we can get an honest answer from you.
4: I had some swamp juice. It was very, very good. Very, very good.
0: So tell us about this game.
4: You know, we lost to the Tigers. Well, we lost to the but we lost to the Tigers too because, you know, we couldn't beat ourselves on the field. So, you know, I, uh, I don't know. We play in the swamp where we like to play. We're going to play hard, and we're probably going to lose by 50. But, you know, we had Joe ball last year, go Tigers.
1: So, Coach O, it's an honor to have you on our show. Thanks for taking the time. Um, I do have one quick question for you before we get your score prediction. Your program's kind of a mess right now. I mean, you got guys opting out left and right. Uh, how, do you, how do you explain this, this implosion we're seeing from your team?
4: No, no, we, we, uh, we went deep into Bayou last year. And we, uh, we traded our souls. I, I, I spoke with the voodoo priestess. And uh, we got your And we done great things down the bottom. And, uh, you know, 2019 was we traded our souls and we, we got a pandemic for the world. But the Tigers won the title. Go Tigers.
1: So, Coach, was it worth selling your soul to win a national championship just to get everyone beating the hell out of you this year?
4: Go Tigers.
0: That's a good answer. So, so what's the score prediction?
4: Uh, you know, uh, if I'm Coach O and uh, Neil gonna make the uh he he gonna make the uh the graphic after the game because you know I don't I don't do no computers we don't do that in Baton Rouge so uh if Neil doing that uh, he need to make a Coach O prediction Coach O gonna say we are gonna win twenty seven uh twenty one but but you need to come back to uh, to Casey's prediction, because uh, you know, go Texas.
0: So, so Coach O, when you say we, you're you're picking LSU to win. Oh yeah, yeah, go Texas,
4: go Texas. Okay. So, All right, if we, can,
0: Casey, if
4: we,
1: if well, if we can if we can if we can evict the the spirit of Coach O from Casey's body and, and get
4: Casey. You can't Coach evict o me. Himself. They love me. They love me. So, go
1: Casey, Casey. What is your actual score prediction?
2: Coach O uh, just left my house. So uh, I'm going to say Florida 41, LSU 21.
1: Ooh, very close to what I have. So I'm really tempted to talk about how Florida has developed an annoying habit of not covering the spread against inferior opponents, point out the history of close games in this rivalry, and talk about how Florida is just going to slog their way to another lackluster, underwhelming win for the fourth straight week. And I will say I would not be shocked if that happens, Um, I just feel like the wheels have come off that program in Baton Rouge. I just feel like Florida is going to be facing a team that is more or less shut down the operation this Saturday. I know I just talked about LSU being desperate to prove that what they showed against Alabama wasn't them. So I do think we have to be cognizant of that possibility and watch out for that. But I, from what I saw against Alabama, they just didn't look like they were there. a was at least competitive against Bama for about a quarter before before the barrage started. LSU's not, no. So, you know, maybe I'll get burned by that. Maybe I'll get burned for saying this because I more or less predicted that we'd face a Tennessee team that would shut it down, and and that didn't happen. But it just feels like at home, at night, on senior night, against the team that disrespected and beat us down last year in the fourth quarter, Florida's going to get some payback. I don't think it'll be the complete and utter beatdown that Alabama gave LSU. I don't think Florida is as good a football team as Alabama, but I do think this is a convincing win. And if it's not, we're in some real trouble in Atlanta. So I'll say Florida wins forty-two to twenty, just to be a little bit different from Casey. All right, so we've saved the guest for last, uh, Frankie. We've kept you just listening to the Ed O show for the last ten minutes, but you know you're our guest, so we got to give you a chance to talk too. What's your score pick and why?
3: I'm going uh, 45-17. They're probably going to score 14 or plus on us. So that's where I I think uh, they get 17 from. Um, Well, hopefully we can hold them to 17. That's what I want to see to make myself feel better. I know these score-to-score predictions um, don't really – you can't really compare football teams against these SEC games this year. Um, But, yeah, 44, four touchdowns by Trask. Um, and that, that, uh, that'll make me feel good going into Bama.
0: All right, guys, that's about all we've got on today's episode for the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. And as always, if you've enjoyed our show, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. We're still just a few months old, and we'd really appreciate that as we keep growing. Frankie, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us.
1: Yeah, Frankie, it was great to have you on, man. Um, still somewhat mind blown that I learned that you work for the same company as my dad. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but we, we really appreciated your insight. Uh, we thank you for coming on today. And of course, uh, Dustin has to end the show in the manner that he always does. So I'm just going to toss it to him. Dustin, you want to... You want to finish this off strong with the two words that you love to say most?
0: Go get ours. Check, please. Love it. <laughs> it's good. I, I, I had to. I had
1: to. No, nah, was good. Yes. It's the way to cap our show. Uh Rivalry game this Saturday. What hell, boys. LSU. Let's he go hate beat them Tigers.
0: Yeah, Frankie. Special go, thanks go back to, Frankie and Velez. to our Georgia game pod. We always do something. Uh, all right. Robert Gaines. Yeah.
1: Special thanks hey, to Frankie Velez thank you. for joining us today. Um, go Gators! Beat LSU!
2: Go Gators! Go to hell! G-E-A-U-X to hell!
0: LSU. That's it. Thank go you, Gators. guys. Thank you, Frankie. Go you, Gators.